Welcome to the number one podcast covering Michigan State basketball. The Final Four is not in the schedule. Join Rod and me, Eric, as we dive deep into the Spartans to get you prepared for every game. Subscribe today for in-depth recruiting updates and fantastic interviews with today's important college basketball personalities like Robbie Hummel. Thanks for having me. I, uh, I have listened to your guys' podcasts numerous times on drives throughout any Midwestern Big Ten city, so I, I am a big fan of your guys' work. Jay Billis. And next time, hey, if anybody in Michigan wants a December tea time, call me. You wimps won't show up, but I'll I'll be there. I'll be there and play in the cold. And Izzo will be in front of the fire with hot chocolate. Coaches Thomas Kelly. Oh, no problem. Glad to be back, man. Glad to be back. Mike Garland. You just can't sit there and trade twos for threes. You can't do it. You're going to lose. Coming down the stretch, you're going to lose. And more. You won't find better coverage of Spartan Hoops than you will get here. For both the casual and hardcore fan, come along as we take you for a green and white ride. Hey everybody, it's Eric alongside Rod here. We're here to discuss Michigan State's next opponent, the University of Southern Indiana, Screaming Eagles. Before we start the show, an apology about the ads in the middle of the show. You might have noticed a while ago, if you're a longtime listener, we had some dynamic ads at the beginning and end of the show, and we had them in the middle. Well, we moved away from that uh, advertiser because I, you know, Rod and I both, did not like the ads in the middle of the, the show. It kind of distracts from things. And so with the new, uh, the new system... It automatically puts ads in the middle unless I take them out. And so I apologize. I still have to get used to that system. So if you download early, I apologize that there's ads in the middle just randomly. That will not happen anymore. I promise you I will be very careful about that. So uh, that should be cleaned up. So don't worry about that anymore. Uh, if you do love what we're doing and want to help keep us on the air, head on over to the final force on the schedule.com slash support. There you can find links to contribute to the show via PayPal or Venmo or on a recurring basis through Patreon or Substack. All right, so I don't think we need to go over James Madison anymore. We're going to, talk, we're going to turn the page and talk about Southern Indiana Screaming Eagles. Uh, they're a member of the Ohio Valley Conference. They lost their opener by 12 to St. Louis on Monday night. They were 16-17 and 17 and 9-9 nine and nine last year. It was their first year as a, in D1 with the head coach, Dan Gord, uh, who's in his fourth season at SIU, but has a long coaching track record, mostly in D2. Whoop, whoop. I I may have misprinted it there. Oh, I thought the they were a brand new team. It's actually U It's USI. Oh, not SI. Oh, yes. It's University of Southern Indiana. I corrected it elsewhere, but I might have had that was it that was my dyslexia coming there. in there. So my my no, that's bad. Me. <laughs> it says USI. Oh no, it doesn't. Okay. The text part does. Yeah. Okay. So. We want to show them the respect right. they're due. They're not it's the USI. Salukis, right? They're the Screaming Eagles, right? So yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, so he's got a, a long coaching track record, 67% win clip. They won the D2 national title in 95. Uh, then under uh, head coach Bruce Pearl. <laughs> I don't know what, how to add to, to Bruce Pearl's history of shadiness. Uh, the Ross- Well, and, that, and that's, 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 worth, that's worth stopping okay. for a second. So the deal there was, you know, Bruce Pearl had been an assistant at Iowa under uh dr tom davis and um for those who are of a certain age may remember this there was a big controversy around a kid named Dion thomas who was being recruited by illinois and iowa and illinois ended up getting him iowa tried to rat them out for recruiting violations which i think I think and it's such ancient history. I can't remember for sure, but I think he may have actually had to sit a year 
I don't remember for sure, but um, the irony about it was that, you know, Bruce Pearl was known as a cheater too. (laughs) So it was, it was a really, yeah, it was kind of a pox on both their houses kind of scenario, but um, Bruce Pearl for ratting was kind of excommunicated from the basketball community (laughs) for a while. And so he had to go, it was on, I mean, this is a guy, a prominent assistant at a prominent Big Ten program. You don't normally start your coaching career at the D2 yeah, level, right. right? Well, he did because he kind of had no choice. That's how he ended up at Southern Indiana, and he, he won a national title and obviously went on from there, rebuilt his career, and he's he's been operating in the SEC at the last two stops, first Tennessee, where he got in trouble, <laughs> and more recently Auburn. You know, no, no better place to go and rehabilitate your image as a rule following straight arrow than the SEC. <laughs> right. But um, anyway, that's how he ended up at Southern Indiana and that they won a D2 national title under him in 1995. So uh, the roster over for the, the team has been very extreme as we've seen it for like number of big 10 teams, but there's extremely extreme, uh, very uh, extreme. only one part-time starter. Uh, had, who had 13 starts last year, returns from the last year's team. So very much a new uh, new group for Gord. Uh, they've had some injury issues. Uh, and so we don't, just like with James Madison, we're not certain who will start. Uh, we'll just kind of go by what St. Louis had last, uh, at the St. Louis game. Yeah, like they've got, for example, <clears throat> they've got a big kid, 6'11 kid who transferred in from UConn. I'm um, drawing a blank on his name. He's an Israeli. Um, he didn't play right in that game. And it's very difficult to find information. I tried, um, with injury updates, uh, but we're assuming he doesn't play in this one since it was only a few days ago. Um, but we don't know for sure. Their starting lineup could be in flux. What we're going to do in the preview is repeat the starting lineup they used against St. Louis, but you're going to notice there were guys who were very productive coming off their bench. So would it be a shocker to see some, some of the starting lineup in flux? No, not at all. Yeah. But that's just so you understand, that's the basis for why we're presenting it the way we are. And this team was, uh, is a fairly new D one team. If I recall to last year was their first yeah, year. Right. Okay. Yeah. And, and so that's, you know, that's the thing Their their head coach, um, is a longtime D2 guy, but he's won two-thirds of his games. I mean, he did a lot of winning there. So I can understand why they're sticking with him to ease. It kind of reminds me, although it's a it's a longer tenure, I think, in some ways at the D2 level, but it reminds me a little bit of what Oakland did with yeah. Greg Campy. Right. You know, Greg Campy was the coach when they were still D2. He ushered them into the D1 level and has just continued in that job. This guy's won a lot of games, um, but this is obviously a different a different deal. His first season in the Ohio Valley to go 500 in their first season at the D1 level, that's impressive. But they lost, as you mentioned, they got one guy who started 13 times last year back, and that's kind of about it for returning starts. They've lost 80% of their minutes played. <laughs> that's the point, just so, minutes. Yeah, that's even worse. Yeah, that. minutes. So it is very much a turning of the page for this season. Um, 
it's kind of the same dynamic that they're not nearly on the level that James Madison was. Um, but uh, it's kind of a similar dynamic in that you've got guys, some guys who have transferred down from playing small levels at bigger programs, some guys transferring from more or less parallel programs, and then they've got a handful of returnees. What they don't really have are freshmen. Yeah. So welcome to college basketball in 2023. Yeah. And, and always the, um, there's always the, the notion like, well, these smaller schools are going to have all the freshmen. They sort of, you know, the, and then they move up if they're, if they show signs of promise, but here's an example right. of a team that, that doesn't, there's no, I guess the, 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 the point is there's really no formula for how this is the whole transfer process is going to work in college basketball. We could imagine it's clean, like moves one, one direction, but, it can go in, you know, one of many directions. Here's what I think it's illustrative of, because I don't think these guys are necessarily a huge anomaly. Um, and we've we've touched on this before. I think right now the the situation for high school kids coming out of high school looking to get a shot, a scholarship at the D1 level is more precarious and tougher than it's ever been, certainly in my lifetime. Right. And I would suspect anybody who's currently alive. Um, and that's the reason. If you look at this, I think the way that this program probably looks at it is, well, why should we take a chance on a freshman who, as you say, the moment they start to show promise, there's a good distinct possibility they're going to they're gonna look to move up right. uh, and leave versus getting guys with some experience and trying to win that way. You know, there's a, there's a rational argument for it. And, and so the knock on effect has been, you know, we, we, we focus a lot, certainly in our discussions because Michigan state is a high major on other high major programs. And so we've seen this with other high major programs, right? Where there's less, there are fewer freshmen, I think than there were five years ago at, at higher major at high major programs, because they now have the ability to go reach into the mid major ranks and pull up a guy who's done well there and fill a roster spot. So that's one less roster spot that a freshman in years past would have otherwise occupied. Right. Yep. So we assume, okay, well, there's gotta be a knock on effect. And that means that a guy who might've gotten the last scholarship at Tennessee might now have to go to you know, Murray state, something like that. But that's not necessarily the case because Murray state or university of Southern Indiana are also looking at transfers because they've got their own reasons for not wanting to invest in a freshman. So, so high school kids in the last few classes are getting squeezed at both ends. I think it will get better at least at the margins. Once we get past next year and the COVID rule, yeah, will have right. fully worked its way out of the system, but we're still there. And even once that's done, this is still going to be a problem. This is one of the things that, you know, Tom Izzo talks about, and a lot of people want to paint him as a, uh, a troglodyte for <laughs> shaking um, his fist at the clouds. With, yeah. <laughs> not getting with the times, you know, but one of the, he's talked about a number of different aspects that are negative to this. I'm a, on balance, I think it's a, the right thing to do to give kids the the freedom to transfer. Mm-hmm. 
But let's not pretend that there aren't negative impacts. And one of them, which is under discussed, I think, is the squeeze it puts on kids coming out of high school. Because yeah. it does. That's happening. Well, and, on, you know, on another level, if you are a Southern Indiana and you're like, if you take a transfer, you're like, well, we've now eliminated the risk of this guy fleeing. Right. So if you, right. If Cause he's, he's, he's made his transfer. He's stuck until Correct. he graduates. That's, then he could leave, you know, as a graduate. That's year. another, that's another very good point. Whereas you take a freshman, well, they've got that free transfer in their pocket. Yeah, it's absolutely. All those things are factoring in. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about the starting lineup for the, as, as far as the starting lineup, we believe for Southern Indiana, uh, this is brought to you by the brothers at just two gutters. If you need gutter work on your home or business, there's no better place to go than the brothers at just two gutters, because guess what? That's all they do. Just gutters. We deal with a bunch of rain. It rains a ton in Michigan. If you need the water problems taken away from your home, and that means water moved away from your house, make sure you contact the brothers at just two gutters. You can find them at brothersgutters.com. There are links to the both Kurt and Greg, who are the main uh, operators in the state of Michigan, either on the west side or the east side. If you're in the Grand Rapids or the metro Detroit area, they can take care of you. They have highly professional trained staff. 10% off if you mention Fado 4 when you contact them. You can find out information to contact them either on our website or in the podcast player they're using right now. And they sponsor the, the player that needs to be kept in the gutter. Uh, so we'll begin with the starting lineup as we believe it will be. We'll begin with Jack Campion, 5'11", soft, 5'11 sophomore, started 13 times last season. Uh, not a lot of production. He had nine points against uh, St. Louis on Monday night, shot 50% from the floor, 1 of 3 from the line, and 0 for 2 from deep. Last season, he was a mid-30 shooter so uh, from the 3, so expectations, he, he's a, a threat in some ways. And he led the team last uh, for last game with four assists and no turnovers. Yeah, I think he'll be their primary point guard option. Other guys will spend some time there as well, but but he'd be the number one guy, I think. Next is six foot five JUCO transfer Ryan Hall. He scored six points on three eleven from the floor. It was zero for five. Boy, that sounds familiar. <laughs> from three <laughs> in the opener, could have been on state's team. Uh, he was a. They didn't. They didn't shoot well either in their opener, but it was it was better than Michigan State shot. <laughs> it's it's hard to imagine you could shoot worse. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's that's exactly it. It's an illustrate was sub twenty five percent, but it still was better. I'm not a good shooter, we, as we've established many times in the show, and I'm pretty sure I could shoot better than five percent from three. Now that's with no one guarding me. But uh, so Ryan Hall was a first team All Conference selection at JUCO last year. Yeah, and he actually led them in minutes played against St. Louis. He played thirty one of the forty minutes. Um, so it looks to me like he's going to be. Uh, a guy they're going to lean on a lot on the wing. And next wing is AJ Smith, six, six sophomore. He played 17 games as a freshman for Southern Indiana. He had seven points on three, six from the floor and one of four from three against St. Louis. Yeah. He had a three, which they didn't have a lot of guys do. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, again, it was on the team last year. Seems to be ready to step into a bigger role. Although I'm not sure he's going to be a long-term starter. Uh, but he started the first game, so that's why we've got him here. Uh, next is 6'7 junior forward Jack Milkey. He played 28 games last year for the Eagles, averaged 2.8 points a game and 1.8 rebounds a game. He had six points and a rebound against the Billikens. Right, and again, similar thing. Limited role last season, stepping into somewhat of a bigger role this year. 
And finally at the five, Nick Hiddle, 6'10 returnee who played 10 games last season. He started the game against the Billikens, but only played six minutes. Uh, so he had a couple boards of four while he was on the floor. Yeah, and, and again, tried to find out, was that an injury? Because four <laughs> right. rebounds in six minutes, pretty good. Um, even though he didn't score, I think he took and missed one shot from the floor. Um, but I couldn't find anything. So I don't know. They've got other options. And and frankly, over the course of the season, I wouldn't expect him to retain the starting spot no matter what. I mentioned they have a, a transfer from UConn who's 6'11". He didn't play at all. I believe he's hurt. Uh, they've got a couple of other guys who are transfers this year that I think probably would expect to play ahead of him as well. But there you go. So we don't know. Right. Uh, so then we'll go to the reserves. And I think this will probably be our player that Michigan State needs to keep in the gutter. He, Jordan Tillman. Yes. He was a 6'2 transfer from Florida A&M. He led them in scoring with 15 points coming off the bench, played 28 minutes and had eight rebounds, three assists and three turnovers. He didn't shoot great. He was five of 15 from the floor and one of three from three, but was four of four from the line and uh, was a 10 point uh, game score for uh, Florida A&M last season. So, our expectation is right. one that Michigan State probably needs to focus on. That's right. Uh, I think he, you know, he was their top guy, leading scorer, leading rebounder, one-off tying for the lead and assist. So he's obviously somebody that they're asking to do a lot, and um, he would definitely be the the guy to keep in the gutter for sure in that lineup. And he might be starting too, right? Again, like you mentioned, we don't absolutely, really know where, yeah, you know. yeah entirely possible when the lights are on you never know how people are going to respond so especially uh, it seemed like a lot of their starting lineup for people who had at least some experience with the team previously yep whether and that had... might have been the motivator and it'll change you know based on actually the more talented players getting if you look at the minutes played you see it yeah and some of these guys off the bench playing a lot of minutes um but we'll, you know, again, just for organizational purposes, nothing else. We're presenting it based on the St. Louis game. Uh, so next reserve is Kirian Powell, six eight sophomore transfer from Houston, where he didn't really play much. He scored eight points, had five boards, blocked a couple shots in eighteen minutes. That one of the transfers that I think probably ends up as the starting five man, or or maybe the starter at the four down the line, but he's a guy they like a lot. Obviously was good enough to get a scholarship to Houston to begin with. Um, didn't work out there to his satisfaction. So he, I believe he's from the Evansville area. So he kind of came back closer to home, uh, but he should be a good addition for them. Kind of a live bodied big man. He's only 210 pounds, so he's not a bruiser, but good athleticism, good energy, uh, good motor. Um, I would expect him to be an impactful player for them over the course of the season. Next is Nolan Coswell, 6'11 transfer from Tennessee Tech. He averaged a little under four points a game and three rebounds a game for uh, for um, Tennessee Tech, which is actually Southern Indiana's conference foe. He played 14 right. minutes in the opener and scored uh, four points with a, with four boards. Yeah, and again, 6'11. That One thing about this team, there's a lot of size. Yeah, the UConn transfer small. I mentioned is 6'11". This kid's 6'11". The kid who started the game, I don't, again, I don't know about his health. Against yeah. uh, St. Louis is 6'10". Uh, the last kid we talked about transfer from Houston is 6'8". There's some size. 
with this team. So Coswell will play off the bench. There's no doubt about that. Next will be six four junior Jeremiah Hernandez. He averaged four point nine points a game and two point three rebounds a game last year. He played thirteen minutes in the game on Monday, scored four points, had a couple of boards, and also committed three turnovers. Right. And you know, a guy who will be in the rotation gives him some experience at the wing, but I think it will be in a reserve role most of the way. Next will be Sam Mervis, five eleven guard who played very little last season for the Eagles. He had 16 minutes in the opener, scored four points, and had five rebounds and with also to go along with three assists. Yeah, I think he's their backup point guard on this team. If if um, It remains to be seen how much Tillman plays on the ball, but um, I think he's probably their backup. And finally, Javius Moore, 6'6", Juco transfer. He played 14 minutes, had two rebounds in the opener. Yeah, that was it in terms of production. But 14 minutes suggests that he's going to get a look at a at a rotation spot on the wing. So let's talk about the five keys to the game brought to you by Nudge Printing. Nudge Printing is the place to go if you need Spartan apparel or most of the other schools in the state of Michigan and even nationally, there are a bunch of schools as well. You can go to nudgeprinting.com. You can see their big selection of shirts and hoodies and also things that you need for your tailgate. Because uh, although I guess the last home home game was is has come and gone since Ford Field doesn't really count as a home game. I don't know. I guess you could tailgate at Ford Field. Although you might be with more Penn State fans, Michigan State fans. Uh, but head on over to Nudge Printing. Twenty percent off if you mention Final Four on the coupon code when you check out. Uh, you won't you won't regret it. Great, high quality, super comfortable, wearable, breathable clothing. My family loves all our stuff. Uh, I enjoy it a ton and um, looks great. And it really holds up to the wear and tear of life and also washing multiple times. It's favorite workout shirts for most of my family. So uh, it hangs in there. So again, that's nudge printing at nudgeprinting.com. All right. So keys to the game. <laughs> Number one, not surprising. The start. Machine State has had, I guess we'd say back-to-back bad starts. Uh, once the exhibition didn't matter technically. And then also, of course, last game against James Madison and both holes are, you could say contributed and are likely the reason they lost. Yeah, I, I think so. You know, you get down 16, you get down 14. Um, that's, that's tough. And it's, it's remarkable that MSU was able to be competitive, particularly the Tennessee game. Less so maybe against James Madison, you would expect it. But um, look, I, I think it's very simple. I, I'll i be surprised if we see major a major lineup shakeup um, in this one. Yeah. I would, uh, but, but you just don't know. It's possible. I mean, Izzo came out of that, that James Madison game talking that way. I tend to think, these guys probably get one more shot. That would be what I would be inclined to do because, you know, when we talk about having experience, these guys have played a lot of basketball and a lot of winning basketball. And so you, I don't think it's, I'm not yet prepared to say you've got to make a change, but I will say this. If it happens again, then I think you have to do it against Duke. Yeah. I think they get one more shot to to prove that this is a bump in the road and it's not going to be a chronic problem because there's no excuse for it. 
as we talked about coming out of the James Madison game, missed shots, you know, an occasional blown assignment, you know, all these defensive breakdown. These are, these are all things that can happen over the course of a game in the course of a season. And you can't lose your mind over it. Uh, but not coming out with the requisite focus and energy and toughness to match opponents that that stuff can't, that can't stand. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the second key to the game, AJ, and so we've, I mean, this seems like he was the, one of the keys to the game every, just about every game last season, you know, how is AJ going to play? Is he going to be focused? And I think, you know, you could say the first game against Hillsdale, he was okay, maybe. And then after the last two, he's really just not been very good. I mean, just small bursts of good, of good play, but for the most part, not very, you know, not what you expect well, from a point guard. Who's a... And let's under, right. And let's understand what we're talking about. We're talking about a guy who's a preseason second team, all conference pick. So the expectations of everyone outside of the Michigan state orbit is that he has a very good year. Yeah. He hasn't yet in any of the three games, two exhibitions and, and the, the regular season debacle, he hasn't yet shown anything close to that level of play over 40 minutes. Now, the James Madison game. And I, I, I think we may have touched on it. Um, there was talk Izzo acknowledged that there was cramping going on with AJ and with, and with Tyson. Well, Tyson fought through it. Um, AJ and, and it was, Possibly an explanation. I know we didn't touch on this um, as a justification for it. We did touch on the fact that it happened. There was a point in the overtime that AJ got pulled and Trey Holloman came in and then they went back to AJ. That might have been cramp related. I frankly, I think you could have made the move for performance reasons too. So, but in fairness to him, okay, let's, let's say that there were physical issues that were holding him back. Um, it doesn't change the reality on the ground that Michigan State needs a lot more out of him than it has gotten thus far. And we need to see an A.J. Hogard who's, again, making good decisions. That's what it comes down to, you know? Yeah. And, and that means across the board, that means decisions, when to look for his own offense, when to try to set people up when to take an open jumper and maybe when to pass, pass open a, a jump shot, you know, pass up a jump shot rather. Yeah. Um, those kinds of things matter. And, and look, can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen, right? Your <laughs> senior point guard at Michigan state, a ton is expected of you. So that's where we're at. I, I think it's the same. If you're talking about individual players, you could talk about the stretch four and you could talk about the fives and all this other stuff. And that's not to say that they aren't things worth discussion and where improvements needed, they are. But if you've got great play from AJ Hogard, those things matter a lot less. Bottom line. Yeah. We saw that last year. We and we saw it during the tournaments. Right. When people struggled. He could go get his and then get people back engaged in the game or, you know, it opens things up for people. And by right, when the last point is very important, when he's playing well, guess what? It's going to make those guys you just talked about better. Yeah, it will. Yeah, we. I mean, we saw that Winston all the time, right? And it's the most recent example. Uh, all right. So third key to the game. 
making some shots, watching something go in the go in the basket. Uh, that three point shooting was terrible, and free throw shooting was not much better. It was better, but not much. I'm not going to get up in arms about the uh, the three point shooting just yet. I mean, it was a miserable, miserable game. But those things happen. I mean, wasn't correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't it the game at Illinois last year that MSU didn't make a three? I think that's probably true. Over the I entire game, they went 20, over. But I, think they, they, yeah. I think you're right. They were no, they didn't game. shoot as many, but they didn't. Illinois really loaded up to take them away, but they didn't get any three point production yeah. in that game. So it it can happen. Um, the Hillsdale game and the Tennessee game, Michigan State shot reasonably well. Mm-hmm. So that plus the track record of these guys tells me we're likely to see a reversion to the mean, which means we'll see improvement. But coming off a one for 20, you'd really like to see some shots go down. The other thing shooting wise that maybe is an issue is um, the Tennessee game. Uh, Or I'm sorry, the free throw line. I'm sorry. Uh, The free throw line. They struggled against Tennessee and they were even, they were just as bad against James Madison. Mm -hmm. Again, there's no good reason for it because Michigan state, when I look at their, their guys, the starting five as it was over those games. So Marty at the five, which might or might not be the long-term thing here, but all of those guys have track records of being at least good and usually very good shooters. I mean, Tyson Walker went 11 for 16 there are a few guys in the country I'd rather have shoot free throws than him. And right. yet he struggled. So again, I expect that they're going to shoot free throws well as a team, but you don't want to see this go any longer than it has to. You really want to stop it cold yeah. and say, okay, forget the last two, get out there. Let's shoot the way we know we can. Yeah. Cause as you know, of course, anything just like, some people start missing free throws. You don't expect to miss them. And then it sort of becomes contagious, just like making them becomes contagious as a team. You get the same thing with shooting overall. And you start having a, you know, multiple game slump of having everyone starting to think about, you just it. don't, you don't want to think about, you don't it, right? want, you just want to shoot. Right. You don't want psychology to start entering into this. Yeah. You know? So the fourth key to the game, crispness. Yeah, and and normally when we use that kind of word, we're talking about well, avoid turnovers. They actually didn't have turnover problems, right, right, right. really, against against James Madison. That was not a reason for the loss, but it's about more than that. We talked about it, I think, in the post game. MSU's screening, I didn't think was very good at all. They got whistled for a few fouls, but even beyond that, they just weren't. The timing wasn't right, and and sometimes that's not just on the big man. Sometimes when I say timing. That's oftentimes an issue for the guard as much or more as it is the guy setting the pick. Right. But regardless, Michigan State's just got to run. The movement was stagnant in that game. Give James Madison a little bit of credit for the way they defended. Sometimes if you're really good defensively, you can you can turn a team. You can make a team look a little stagnant. But MSU's got to be better just in, in terms of the totality of how that offense flows. Ball movement, man movement, screening, all those things need to be a lot better. 
Yeah, we don't know exactly what James Madison will become, but you know, before we had talked about before the game, that their main defensive strategy was turning you over and playing some, uh, you know, taking chances, which they took plenty of and got fouled for a lot of them. But I didn't. They did. I felt like Michigan State helped them by just being, you know, just the mo- mo- movement was really poor. It was uh, they were easy to guard. Yeah, and 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 what ended up happening is the offense, you know, devolved to basically everybody stand around and watch Tyson Walker make a move and. Yep. You know, to his credit, Tyson converted a lot of those plays. But is that optimally what the Michigan State offense ought to be? Hell no. Yeah, as soon as you start seeing that, you know that the offense is a little bit dysfunctional. You know, one or two possessions maybe, but when it becomes every possession down the floor, that's just not what we're used to seeing. Yep. Uh, So the fifth key and final key to the game is dribble drive containment. This is something that's been a problem in the past. Uh, I don't know if last year was as much an issue. I feel like the year before there was quite a bit of that problem. But yeah, last, I mean, they had real problems with that because the people just are out of position then on the perimeter once the help comes. Yeah, I think that, um, again, I give a little bit of credit to James Madison because I thought they ran their stuff pretty well. But... um, Michigan State just is not look if you're gonna if you're gonna hedge on ball screens aggressively the way MSU typically does that needs to be productive and and by that what I mean is in in simplistic terms you have to both contain the ball handler so he doesn't have even either an open jumper or an easy path to the basket off the screen. And yet you also need to maintain contact with the screener. Now I don't recall James Madison burning Michigan state a lot on the roll. I was going to say, I don't remember that at all. all. It was always the the handler getting, but they did, they did get a lot done with the ball handler. And that's got to get cleaned up because they also didn't do a very good job against Tennessee. Now that's more meaningful because, you know, Tennessee is, you know, a very talented group and they've got guys who are going to be every bit as good as anybody Michigan state's going to see in the league. Um, But the fact that again, it's been like some of these other things that it's been two straight games, just one that didn't count where you've seen these issues. I'd say even beyond the, the pick and roll stuff, I think MSU's guards just haven't been great at, at, at dribble contain. And there's no excuse for it. Not with the guys they have, not no. with the track records they have, the experience they have. And look, you can make a good argument that Tyson Walker deserves a lot of credit. But other than that, the two best defensive guards for MSU have been Fears and Holloman. That shouldn't be. Right. But not, not knocking those guys. They're very good defensively but your veterans have to be better yeah especially Aikens right I mean I, I, you I yeah I'll expect Hogarth is not quite as athletic and as quick as a but Aikens says there's no reason for Aikens to have trouble <laughs> with triple drive no continuing. I can't imagine no there really shouldn't be and and we've seen him lock people down that's what he needs to be and to watch him struggle this way very very disheartening and and I would say the same for AJ I mean AJ look You're right about he's not quite as athletic as the other guys, but he's also bigger, and that's important. MSU needs him to fill that role. You know, they had him guarding the Edwards kid, who's 6'5", so a bigger player on the wing, for a lot of that 
game, and I didn't think AJ did very well. Um, he's got to be better. So they they just got to be better. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess you know when you start looking at this game, I, I'd be surprised if we have a repeat of you know of what happened against against James Madison. But there are obviously things that we're, we're looking for, and clearly Izzo is looking for the same things as you know for the keys to the game. There's been a lot of discussion. I just want to just talk about it briefly about Hall at the four and a lot of concern. I think there's reason to be a little bit eh, wondering, I guess, about his three-point shooting and the fact that he's hesitant to shoot and the shot looked weird. Um, but I think people, although they, there's no question Hauser was you know, a huge benefit to have there, a reliable 40-plus percent three-point shooter and a good defensive rebounder. I mean, Malik may not have... He may never be. In fact, it's unlikely. I think that he'll be the shooter that that Hauser was as a senior. But he brings more things to the table than Hauser could defensively. He moves faster. He's he's a much better offensive rebounder, defensive rebounder. I think in general. So although I think you might lose something with him instead of Hauser, you gain other things too. So I don't think it's like a gigantic net negative um, that people are as panicked about as maybe they. They originally, you know, immediate reactions after the game. Well, I, I think, uh, let's put it this way. I think there's been way too much discussion around that. And that goes back to the preseason in yeah. certain quarters of MSU media. And I'm just going to leave it at that. That's my opinion. They can mm -hmm. differ with it if they want, but in my opinion, way too much. Um, if you gave me the Malik call that we saw against Tennessee where he had 14, 11 and four offensive rebounds, I'd take that. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, he's going to be a different player than Joey. And, and here's the thing, the three point shooting. Yeah. Part of what gets people fired up about it is not just the misses, but that they looked bad. So I understand that. Um, but we're not talking about a guy who's never shot it. He's actually, even with last season where he really took a dive after the injuries, because before, before the second injury, he was a plus 40% shooter from three. Yeah. So it really was a dive that I think was injury related, but even including that he is a career 36% shooter from three. That's over four years. People <laughs> count them one, two, three, four. We're not talking about, oh, will he hit a 10-game hot streak? No, four years. Now, I understand we're not talking about huge volume, but it's enough. He was not a no, a never-shoot guy. We're not talking about Nick Ward going one for one <laughs> over his career. You know, it's not that. Yeah. So, so the idea that somehow this is an unfixable problem strikes me as very, very unlikely. Um, I expect Malik Hall will shoot better. There's an argument which has some validity to it that he has never shown consistency in his MSU career. And I can't dispute that. That's true. Um, I would have liked to have seen what a healthy season looked for him like for him last year because his start was great. Yeah. And then he got hurt and he never really got fully back on the beam. So who knows? That's ifs, what's, buts, you know. Yeah. But I understand that. And I also 
can understand why some might be clamoring for more minutes for someone like Cohen Carr, who has looked very, very impressive in a lot of ways. And I don't dispute that. And I think he does look ready. He's the most ready to impact games in a major way for Michigan State right now. Yeah. That seems very clear. I think I think Jeremy Fears is equally ready to hold his own on the floor. But I think in terms of counting numbers, points, rebounds, Cohen Carr is the guy right now. Um, but the, the Malik Hall stuff, as I said in the aftermath, I said this on the Spartan Mag board, and I may have said it here last night. I don't remember. I was so angry. I can't remember everything <laughs> I said. But if you're talking about Malik Hall's the first thing out of your mouth, as to what ails this team, you're out of your damn mind, period. You're wrong. The biggest thing individually is the point guard. That is the biggest thing. Until that gets sorted out, there's a problem, okay? So start with that. Then beyond that, you could start talking about Malik being part of that starting group that is not doing what they need to do from the tip and getting Michigan State in big holes because they're not coming out locked in. They're not matching the opponent's effort and toughness. All of that's true. He bears some of the responsibility for that, but not the totality of it. Yeah. Um, so does he need to be better? 100%. Do, but do I think that and there's this notion that, well, we know what Malik Hall is. Do we? I'm not sure we do. And I can say there would have been a lot of people saying that about Joey Hauser at this time last year when he was coming off the aircraft carrier game and struggled shooting the ball in part because he was dealing with wind, but which is not normal. But there were a lot of people last year who said, we know what Joey Hauser is. You can't count on him. Guys. Games change, and Malik Hall has shown enough to suggest to me that there's every possibility that he finds an equilibrium at a pretty high level. You know, I, I've seen in the last day or two a lot of people talking about, well, they just need, he doesn't have to be Joey Hauser. They just need him to be Kenny Goins. He's not even Kenny Goins right now. Kenny Goins made, I looked at it today, Kenny Goins made 56 threes as a senior. You know how many of them came? Before the middle or after the middle of January, before rather, how many of them came before the middle of January? So the first half of the season, well, I want to say very few. He hit, he hit 46 from the middle of January yeah. through March. That's what I remember it all being late. Yeah. Fifth year senior, just like Malik call. Yeah. So don't tell me that we know what Malik Hall is. I've seen enough from Malik Hall in his career to know that being a perfectly adequate, productive shooter is in there. Does he find it? Does he get past whatever the issue is right now? We'll see. But I, I, I think the focus on him is it's always this way, man. And, and I imagine every fan base is like this, but because I know this one, I see it over and over and over. I could trot out the rogues gallery of players that people have gotten obsessed about. 
And Malik Hall seems to be knocking on the door being that guy for this team, which is funny because I do think there's a guy on this roster who should be the subject of that obsession, and he isn't to the same degree right now, and he should be, and that's A.J. Hogarth because he's more important. I'm telling you, if he is not playing better than what we've seen, this team's ceiling is way lower than anybody thought. Yep. He has to be better. Malik Hall, they can, they, as I said, Malik Hall didn't hit a three against Tennessee, but can they win with a Malik Hall scoring 14 11? Yeah, sure they can. But they can't win with A.J. Hogard being the guy he's been. Can't do it. Not, not unless you're going to, not unless you're going to say, we're going to bench A.J. and Jeremy Fears is going to play those minutes. Then maybe you find a way through that route. But it's not optimal. No, and you wouldn't think your ceiling's really that much higher either. You've got a freshman with no, you know, the freshman. No, it stuff wouldn't too. be. Yeah, it wouldn't be exactly. So that's where your mind ought to be, in my opinion. Put a, put Malik on the back burner. Look at AJ. <laughs> we we were talking with Mike DeCourcy this summer, and he made a point. I think there are some things we might have disagreed with. You know, the we thought the lack of continuity with teams with the transfers has changed the game a little bit. He yeah, yeah. To disagree with that, but I do think he was right in one point where he said that, you know, every year is different. You might have the same yep. players and it's still a different team. Like you could look at the, the team this year and you say, well, you know, four of the five stars are exactly the same, but you could say, well, you could come back and say, well, Aikens, the expectation is different this year than it was last year. Mm-hmm. His response, what he wants to do and what he wants to accomplish and so it's going to be different for him integrating into the offense a little differently than what they were like last year. And that's a good point. I think, frankly, um, the early returns on Jaden trying to play maybe a little more the way that um, the other two guys do, doing more pick and roll stuff, going more off the dribble, the early returns have not been good. Um, but it's early. And I had heard that he had made real progress. It's possible that we just haven't seen it in these first two games and it will show up, but that's a valid point. So he's maybe looking to play a little differently. Roles are a little different. You know, you only lost one starter, but Joey Hauser was an important guy to what they did. So everybody's kind of changing what they're doing. And now you're filtering in, you know, Trey Holloman's playing a bigger role. Carson Cooper's playing a bigger role than he did last season. You've got, three freshmen playing so it is different and you're playing differently right you're playing faster supposedly and pressing full court it's different yeah all that stuff's valid but i just i know this nothing's changed fundamentally in the sense that they're gonna go where aj goes yeah if you've got a bad or an indifferent or a mediocre aj hogard it's going to be tough for Michigan state to be the team. Everybody expected. I'd almost say impossible. Well, I think we'll finish up there unless you have anything else to add. I think, I think we've, sort nope. of, yeah, we'll look forward to just turning the page and moving on and hopefully team bounces back. And I, you know, I think we both hope a huge beat down early in this game is what should we, is what we should see. This is a team that they should be able they to need handle. to come out. They need to come out very aggressively yeah. And just blast them. Put the hammer down. Yeah. Yep. Because you've got, I mean, you got a real team coming up next week with Duke, which we'll talk about this weekend. But 
Uh, yeah, but it's it's just you, you you need to establish right. You need to get rid of the these these awful traits early. Get rid of them. Yeah, it's not about winning or losing this game. It's you need to start establishing habits. Leave it there uh, again. Check out the brothers to adjust your gutters at brothersgutters.com. Check out nudge printing at nudgeprinting.com for your Spartan apparel. And uh, you can check out our website, the final force on the schedule.com for our forum, for ways to support the show. Uh, or also um, for merchandise, if you want to get logo t-shirts or hoodies, which is also through nudge printing. You can find that all at our website and everything there is free. Uh, so until next time, the final force on the schedule, go green.